This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan here along with you. And uh, Matt, this uh, might be a little Vikings therapy session based off what's gone on here the first couple of weeks. We are recording this on uh, the Sunday following the Vikings' uh, second loss of the season this past Thursday in Philadelphia to the Eagles. Vikings, after dropping that opener at Tampa and the Eagles game, are 0-2. And and, uh, and Matt, clearly, it will get into some, some alarming things, but the most alarming thing so far is clearly the turnovers. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to even describe how how badly these turnovers have hurt the Vikings they've they've lost you really can't make it up they've lost the two games by a combined nine points and had seven turnovers in the two games they've only generated one so they're minus six in the take give through two games and only lost by a combined nine points and these turnovers have come at the absolute worst time of course the Tampa Bay game we had the interception to KJ uh, from Kirk right in front of halftime. Vikings were, you know, had the momentum, were about ready to go up at half at that game, couldn't do it. And then a huge swing, you know, you had the the turnovers came at really bad times throughout the Philly game, but two in particular, one, the Brandon Powell punt return when he's returning it uh, uh, nicely into Philly territory. Vikings would have started at about the Eagles 30, down three, nothing in the first quarter. He fumbles. And then of course, right in front of halftime, Vikings look like they're about to go up 14 to 10. JJ fumbles out of the end zone, uh, inside the pylon, goes through the end zone, and uh, it's a touchback for Philadelphia. Vikings would have had it first and goal on the one, probably go up 14 10 at halftime. Instead, they not only give the ball away on the fumble, but allow Philly to go into field, uh, to drive into field goal range, and uh, it goes uh, from what would have been a 14 10 game to a 13-7 Philadelphia lead. So it was a a 10-point swing there and really the the turning point in that game, even though the Vikings had their chances even in the second half. So uh, it's been been crazy so far with these turnovers, Matt. It has. I mean, this... uh, Everyone talked last year about the idea of them being a lucky team or a uh, overrated team a sort of a, a good, bad team. Um, and everything that did seem to happen in the close games last year uh, in these first two games is uh, not going well. It's the exact opposite with untimely turnovers, uh, giving up inexplicably giving up points at the end of the half there where the Eagles were set to run out the clock just and just ran the ball in order to do it. Uh, un- untimely penalties, you know, whether it's jumping off sides or, you know, just uh, the, this has not looked like a well-coached team. Now, granted, you can coach these guys all you want to hold on to the ball. And then if they don't execute, um, you know, at some point it isn't the coach's fault. But um, all the goodwill that, you know, we were feeling last year about this team uh, and, and the team chemistry seems to, you know, to be off this year. And I do think it's fixable. 
Uh, they clearly are a better offensive team this year, even though they're not uh, maybe a well-rounded offensive team. I think their defense is clearly better than they were last year. Um, you know, but, you know, if you don't protect the ball, it's the, the oldest adage in football. If you lose the turnover battle, you're probably going to lose the game. And uh, these were two winnable games. And it's really put this team in a hole that they've got to figure out how they how they turn it around. I think they can. And if they if they really do on the turnover battle, they're still dangerous. But, um, you know, 10 percent, uh, I think, is the stat of teams that start Owen to make the playoffs. That's that's a daunting number. Yeah, but that but that uh, is before this uh, mostly before the schedule went to 17 games uh, and before an extra playoff team was added. So I, I don't honestly put too much into that um, before. Yes. When it was a 16 game schedule and you had only two wild cards, Owen two was, was kind of a death sentence as far as playoffs go. But I, I don't think that's, that's really the case anymore. I'm not as I, about Owen two as I would have been three years ago. Say. I, I agree with that. I think it does give you more flexibility exactly to your point to get out of it. I think it more speaks to the um, mentally how challenging it is to keep it focused and really go on a run when you put yourself in a, in a hole. I, I would say the, the best thing about this 0-2 start is you haven't played a division game. If you, if you sweep your division games, you're going to be uh, on that, you know, that borderline, you know, or you're probably making the playoffs. You might win the division and you might not have the best record overall, but you know, that's, we've always talked about the key is win your home games and take four of six of your division games. Now they, they obviously lost that first home game, but if they, if they win the rest of their home games and take care of their division games, they're going to be fine. Um, you know, and so we can't forget that, but I, I think it is, how do you mentally stay strong, um, you know, through these remaining first couple of games and not put yourself in a hole. I think back to, was it the Zimmers last year um, where they, they kind of started like this? Uh, and, and, you know, even every time you thought they were maybe plugging away to, to get themselves into a better position, then they just couldn't quite get over that hump. And I think it just, the margin for error is a lot smaller now. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And I think we'll talk at the end of the show today about uh, whether this Chargers game is a must win, but uh, <laughs> foreshadowing, uh, it's a very important game. Uh a couple things that you said, uh, I, I agree the penalties, at least in week one, were an issue. Not in week two. They, I think, didn't have a single penalty called until the third quarter when they had a, a holding call on Brian O'Neill. So the, they did clean up the penalties nicely. And I agree the defense is much better. I mean, the defense of game plan by Brian Flores in that Philly game was absolutely outstanding. Um, and in the Tampa game. I mean, Baker Mayfield didn't do anything in the first half. That Tampa offense was pretty much held uh, held off the board in the first half. And against Philly, they started very poorly. And until they started running the ball, they really couldn't generate much offensively either. Flores was confusing Jalen Hurts a lot in that game. And honestly, I think the defense just wore down in that game. First of all, Philly's offensive line is elite, might be the best in football, or certainly top three to five. And, and their running game's good. Uh, and they started to 
really turn away on the ground late in the game with DeAndre Swift having, what, 160? And I think he had like 130 before contact. I don't know if that's the best number ever, but it has to be among the best uh, that I've ever seen. I mean, he was he was uh, so slippery, so elusive in that game, uh, the little guy DeAndre Swift. But really, I think the defense wore down. I mean, short week, going on the road to Philly, and they were on the field for two-thirds of the game. I mean, the time of possession was like 40 to 20. So I, I blame the offense partly for the defense wearing down, and uh, I, I think Flores certainly has improved that defense. Um, he's causing a lot of confusion among opposing quarterbacks, and I think he'll do the same with Justin Herbert in week three. I, I'm not so sure that it's clearly a better offense than last year. I mean, I think clearly the addition of Jordan Addison has been huge. Addison with two touchdowns in as many games, uh, two long touchdowns. So he, he's certainly taken advantage of the one-on-one -on -one matchups that we, we mentioned that he would have coming into the season. Uh, having Hawkinson all year is great. JJ has racked up over 300 yards in two games. No touchdowns yet, but certainly has been, uh, you know, as elite as ever. But... There is no running game, none, and no commitment to it either. And, and I mean, you could say, you know, maybe it was a good ideal idea for Kevin O'Connell to go away from it uh, this last week in Philly. It just wasn't working, and uh, Philly had some guys out in the secondary, which it's it's too bad. Matt and I were talking before the show. Uh, it's too bad. The Vikings caught Philly at a great time, and if not for the turnovers, if they have three, maybe rather than four, they likely win that game. But, you know... Back to, back to the point, though, there's there's no running game right now. There were, I think, 11 carries for the running backs in week one, nine carries for the running backs in week two. Alexander Madison does not look good, not very good vision, as we've seen from him in the past. Um, he's a bruising back, but he's getting encountered right away. And part of that is is the offensive line. I think he has like 0.9 yards before contact, and the NFL average is over two. Uh, so you could put some of that on the O-line, but I think some of that's on Madison where when there are holes, he's not hitting them quickly enough. He's not seeing them quickly enough. So I think that yards before contacting it doesn't put all the blame on the offensive line. And Ty Chandler had one carry in this last game. I'd like to see more of him. We'll get into that in a minute. But but Matt, the running game, the running game has been non-existent so far. That that has to change. They're passing well over 70% of the time. They were the fourth highest passing rate last year with about 61%. It, it, it just can't sustain at this rate, and you're going to get Kirk killed if you continue passing 70% of the time or more. Yeah, the, I do think the offense is better, but there are glaring weaknesses that are, are, that are holding it back from being dominant. I, Kirk, I know we're going to get into this, has been outstanding. J.J., fumble aside, it just continues to impress. Addison has really, uh, you know, shown that he's going to be, uh, you know, great. Hawkinson continues to be, you know, great for this offense. I think all of the concerns that, you know, we talked about last week that would need to go right for the Vikings to succeed have come out. And, you know, one of those things is that the offensive line, is not is not very good it, it is continues to be thoroughly average and we've always just said that offensive line just needs to take a step forward they downgraded from dalvin to madison um you know I, I know you love your boy dalvin they didn't have much of a run game last year i mean it, it obviously was not this bad um because this is horrible but 
explosive plays, and they don't have that now. No, you're you're right. They don't have those explosive plays. Uh, I do agree with you about needing to look at Ty Chandler or making a move or something. But uh, you know, I think Madison. They're giving him his chance, but he he's not really you know making it happen. The injuries hurt the offensive line, but the run blocking hasn't been good. The pass blocking, for the most part, hasn't been good. Uh, the the depth is a concern. They thought that having consistency with the offensive line would make this better. Um, and it's it's clearly not working and it's forcing Kirk to basically just say, you know, frick it. Uh, we're just going to I'm just going to go out and, and throw it you know, all over the place. And in some ways that's, you know, inspiring and, and therapeutic for Kirk to do that. But that's not sustainable exactly to your point. So they've got to figure out the injury and the depth, the talent on the offensive line. And they got to find uh, a way to get the run game going to be more balanced, even if they're going to be heavy on the on the pass game. Uh, it, it, there, as you said, you've got to be more of a complete team. You've got to at least have the threat of a run here or there. Uh, and and right now, it is uh, it's non-existent. Yeah, I'm not quite as down on the offensive line in terms of pass protection for for two things. One, they really haven't had a full version of this offensive line yet. Garrett Bradbury went down early in that Tampa Bay game and you had Austin Schlopman come in and they had some issues. Um, although the, the fumble, um, which initially looked like a muffed exchange, that first fumble in the, in the Tampa game was caused by Ed Ingram inexplicably knocking the ball out of Kirk's hands uh, when Kirk had both hands on the ball. That was so weird. So instead of stepping on his feet this year, he's knocking the ball out of his hands. But Honestly, I don't think Ingram played that poorly in the Philadelphia game. And you need to keep in mind, they, they faced two really good front sevens. I mean, when you're talking about Vita Vea, Devin White, Levante David, and then Antoine Winfield Jr. on the back end, four elite, elite level players on that Tampa defense. And then, I mean, we all know about the Philly front seven. Kirk was only sacked two times in the Philadelphia game. Now he was, now he was hit 10 times. So it was hit a lot, but we knew that was going to happen when you're a pass-heavy team and you're facing that front seven. And Christian Derrissaw didn't play in that game. You had Ole Udo playing, and he was doing, I guess, okay until he got absolutely roasted on the, the strip sack to start the second half, got run around to like he was tied to a, a post, and then later in the game, unfortunately, suffered a season-ending quad injury. Uh, and then they had their third left tackle in there. So Derrissaw was active but didn't play. Apparently re-aggravated the ankle pregame. Marcus Davenport also was active but didn't play. He played actually he played one one play before before leaving. So they need to get those two guys healthy among others. But we haven't seen a full version of this offensive line. Not saying it's going to be you know anything to write home about. It's going to be elite or anything. But the pass protection hasn't been awful. Um, and, and I'll I'll piggyback on a point. I've heard Ben Lieber, the Vikings sideline radio analyst on KFAN make a few times. He doesn't think the O-line's been that bad. The strip sack in the Tampa game uh, was due to a missed blitz pickup by Alexander Madison. Also, something that Dalvin Cook is better than Madison is at is pass protection. Um, so you, you, I'm, I'm not so Marshall. I'm not ready to just go full-blown panic mode on the pass protection. I they need to figure out the run game and that and they, Josh Oliver would help that so far, aside from some nice little dump offs to Oliver for first downs, we haven't seen him impact the run game. Like we thought he would. So is the offensive line when healthy horrible? No, 
But Mike, where I just fundamentally disagree with you on this is everyone has always said, if this team is going to take a step forward, the interior line has to be better. They can't just be okay because Kirk gets hit way too much and was the most hit quarterback last year of anyone. And they might, even when consistent and healthy, be okay. But that is not good enough. It's not for them to go and win a Super Bowl. You've got to be closer to that top 10 offensive line. They've got two guys on that uh, on that offensive line that make them, you know, have the potential to be top 10. The other three guys are, are holding them back. And when you don't have a mobile quarterback like Kirk and you're going to be as pass heavy as they are, we've been saying for how long with this organization, they have no problem producing all pro wide receivers, and uh, but they have never going back to when they, you know, really had Steve Hutchinson, have not had a really good, uh, you know, a, a, an elite offensive line. And you have to have that against these top teams if you want to have a chance of making a run in the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl. And, and so everyone pushed for that. You know, Quazy and KOC decided not to address that, that they thought consistency, you know, would be better. They, they gambled on that. And what we've seen so far, I'm not saying that they're horrible. They, but they are not good enough to make at this point to make a run in the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, the only point is we haven't seen it so far because Bradbury went down early in game one. Christian Derrissaw didn't play in game two, so you had two backup offensive linemen in game number two against against the best front seven in football on the road on a short week, and then and then you had a third string left tackle, so you had a third string lineman there, Quisenberry, and then you had the backup center. So all I'm saying is, like I said, I'm not I'm not predicting they're going to be, you know, top 10, top five offensive line. And maybe they do need to be in order to take that next step. But but let's just wait to see it fully intact, hopefully, for this for this Chargers game with Derrissaw and Bradbury back before we make any grand pronouncements. Switching gears, can we talk about uh, K.J. Osborne? Well, that was going to be actually. Yeah, we can, because I was going to say two changes I think that need to be made and and number one and both are off on the offensive side because I think Flores is doing pretty well defensively big jump for the defense so far but Jordan Addison needs to play more over KJ Osborne KJ has dropped so many passes maybe it's maybe it's because he's feeling the pressure of being the number two guy or he's in a contract year I don't know what it is but you're right that's the first change I would make because Addison Addison did play a little more. Their snap counts were a little closer in game two than they were in, in week one. But uh, Addison needs to be starting right now. I a thousand percent agree. I, I just, KJ Osborne is a nice number three receiver. But, uh, you know, while you hope he improves, I think he's showing that uh, he is a limiting factor right now as a number two wide receiver. And Addison is blowing by him uh literally and they need to they need to unleash addison as much as they can because this offense is way more dangerous when they're doing that so i totally agree that is a change that has to be made i mean if you put if you put if you're in a two wide receiver set and you have jj addison and tj on the field it's pick your poison but if kj is on the field he's not going to make them pay as much for those matchup advantages. And then, and then the second thing is, I would say we need to see more Ty Chandler. 
Um, I, I mentioned it earlier, but Alexander Madison just does not have the burst or the vision. Ty Chandler can take the ball to the outside. He's got much better speed. He's good in the passing game. Uh, we've seen it in li just little bits so far. He only got one carry last game. I need to see him get much more extended run. I'm not saying he should take over as the starting back yet, but we need to see more from Madison. We're not seeing it right now. He was a good backup for Dalvin. I personally never thought he, he was an RB1. Um, don't think he has that skill set. He's a nice complimentary piece, but we need to see more. Apparently, Kevin O'Connell loves Ty Chandler. We need to see more from him in the next game. So I want to see, you know, the second year guy, but he essentially is a rookie because he didn't even play much last year in Ty Chandler and the rookie Jordan Addison. We need to see those young guys on the field. What do you think about uh, making a little bit of a switch at running back? I think he needs to be mixed in more. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, the type of change I would actually like to see them make is I want to see him either go out and, you know, sign another, you know, interior lineman, uh, whether it's for depth or to really push those guys, you know, or I want to see them do something on the defensive line. Cause I think while, I agree that the defense is much better. There still is a lot of work that needs to do in terms of generating pressure and stopping the run game. So I would like to see them go and do one of those two uh, moves to shore up this team. Daniil Hunter's off to a nice start. Three sacks in the Philly game after one against Tampa. So he's got four sacks already. There was one uh, later in that game when the Vikings uh, got, the, got the ball. They were down two possessions. They needed to get the ball back. And he pushed him out of field goal range by absolutely ramming the the left tackle right back into Jalen Hurts and then powering through him and sacking him one of his three sacks in the game. Daniil was a beast in that game. So that's that's good to see. You, you know, you, you mentioned possibly going outside for some signings. Philly did it last year. Philly signed Linval Joseph and uh, and Indomitian Sue. They were they were both free agents early. They were struggling to defend the run. They signed both of them and uh, both helped them get to the Super Bowl, especially Sue, I would say. Linval, we love him, but he might have been uh, a little long in the tooth, and he's still a free agent, I believe. Not sure about Sue. Um, but, but yeah, there's three interesting. There's three veterans that are out there that I've seen tied to the Vikings in one way or the other. Which of these three would you like to see? Or, I mean, I'd like to see all of them if possible, but which of these three would you like to see? Dalton Reisner, the offensive guard. Akeem Hicks, who tormented the Vikings with the Bears for years. Um, or the third guy would be Kareem Hunt. All in positions of need, you know, D-line, O-line, and, and running back. Do you want to see any of those guys? Yeah, I think I would want to – I would go with Reisner. I, I just still think the depth on this offensive line is an issue. And I think if you could get more competition that, uh, and a better – more depth there but we have more success yeah yeah uh i'd go reisner or kareem hunt i mean i i think man it, you you don't need to have an elite running game but you need to have at least a threat and kareem hunt wasn't even bad last year he's pretty good for for cleveland uh as a complimentary piece to nick chubb so they they need to figure out something i know kevin o'connell is going to be a pass first guy even after he got josh oliver but uh, this running game is not effective right now. They need to find something. Let's go into Kirk uh, because we, we mentioned it earlier. Kirk, to me, has been spectacular once again, especially in the Philly game. 
you know, 300 plus yards, four touchdowns. He's on pace for 51 touchdowns and eight picks right now. Pretty darn good. Um, I think on pace also for like over 6,000 yards. Um, None of those are probably going to happen. Maybe the eight picks, uh, he'll be able to limit it to that. But he is, uh, he's playing very well right now. The Of the seven turnovers, to me, you can maybe blame him for the KJ interception, although we don't know the full story on that. What KJ did with his route, wasn't able to make an adjustment to that ball, uh, like we saw Adam Thielen do so many times on balls that were a little behind him um, in the end zone. So, uh, you know, yeah, you you could say maybe Kirk's got to hang on to it better uh, on the strip sack. Maybe the Winfield one, because that was coming from his front side, but I can't blame him much for the the one this this last week by Josh Sweat. Uh, just ran right around Oliudo. Kirk had no time to react. But I think Kirk's been really good. Some amazing throws in that Philly game, despite being under constant pressure. Yeah, he's he's been outstanding. I, just nothing short of spectacular. I don't know anyone uh, other than these total hacks that you know always want to blame Kirk that you could say that he's been anything short of magnificent. Yeah, you could nitpick a little bit. You know, could the this ball have been thrown forward a little bit more, or could he have protected the ball a little bit more? Yeah, but, I mean, he has managed this offense well. He's getting the ball to his playmakers. He's, he's been aggressive with his throws. You know, he's been stepping up to, you know, avoid, you know, pressure and make, uh, you know, he's taken a lot of hits. But um, you know he is he is doing everything he can for this team, and I think they're crazy uh, to even consider moving on from him, as we've talked about so often. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think he's going to continue to to play well. It's just our is the rest of the team going to step up and and do more to help him. I'd extend him uh, right now if if I was the general manager, but I'm not. Uh, you're, you're right about the stepping up in the pocket, though, uh, especially on that second Addison touchdown against Philadelphia really did a nice job avoiding the rush sliding up in the pocket firing it downfield and Addison played center field bounced off uh, the one defender and right into the end zone eerily reminiscent of a touchdown he scored for the USC Trojans last year against Stanford on the road in Palo Alto go look that up if you haven't it's it's amazing it's like a, a carbon copy of that play by Jordan Addison he's he's a special special talent um, and, uh, and I totally agree about Kirk. He's, he's been really, really good so far. Let's get in, uh, as, as we close down here to this chargers game, we don't, we don't need to break down the specifics of the game. Um, Justin Herbert coming to town. I've always thought he's been a bit overrated. The Vikings have done a nice job against him. The couple times they faced him under Mike Zimmer, uh, confusing him. I think Brian Flores will do something similar. I think physically he has got all the tools. I mean, he's as physically talented a guy as there is maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes in the NFL, but I still think he not a, he's not a one read guy, but you take away that first read and he starts to get confused. And I think he's not great yet at diagnosing coverages, but he's got some weapons, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, some big receivers, Obviously, uh, Austin Eckler's been dinged up, but if he goes, that could be an issue for the Vikings uh, as they struggle to defend the run in Philadelphia. But uh, my main question to you, Matt, is is this a must-win game? I mean, we talked about the 0-2 hole. It's not as big a deal as it used to be with now the 17-game schedule as it was during the 16-game schedule. But uh, it's, still, it's still a tough hole to dig out of. I would say this is a must-win because it's at home and because of who you have coming up. They do have a winnable game at Carolina the week after, but then Kansas City comes to town. 
in a few weeks, San Francisco's coming to town for Monday night football. You still have uh, all the division games, including at Lambeau, including at Detroit, really late in the season, both of those. But uh, I think they need to get a win at home. It's as close to must win in week three as you can get. I, I completely agree on this being a must win. I think you're crazy for the Herbert uh, critiques. Uh, <laughs> I think he's he's been awesome. I think that, you know, he's a guy that gets uh, knocked almost with the Kirk treatment where it doesn't matter that they put up great stats and that they're incredibly talented because the team maybe has underperformed, uh, that he's he's viewed negatively because of that even though it's been poor coaching and everyone else on the team, uh, he is quite incredible. And the Vikings are going to have their hands full defensively. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see uh, how much they lean into the run in light of what Philly did and had success. I don't know if that exposed depth issues uh, or the lack of uh, really big run stuffers uh, on the Vikings defensive line. Uh, or do they, you know, uh, really lean into uh, letting Herbert try and uh, gash this team with uh, his arm? And, and you know, has this, you know, has this secondary really been tested enough, um, you know, to to know how good they are? I mean, it will be interesting to see. Um, you know, but I, I I do trust Flores exactly to your point. I think he is really talented and really good at maximizing, uh, utilizing different schemes to maximize the talent they do have. Uh, but I, this is definitely a must win. I, I think that if you go 0-3, even with Carolina, uh, you know, d- despite Detroit being able to pull out a win against Kansas City, you do not want to be having to face Kansas city uh, with a one and three record. It just, and staring one and four likely in the face. It just, that is too, uh, too big of a hole to put yourself in. You know, if, if you can win these next two um, and even if you drop Kansas city and you're two and three, you are still squarely, you got a long season ahead of you. You can recover from that, but there is a major difference between uh, getting, you know, you, you know, starting two and three, uh, you know, and starting one and four in my mind. So I think the Vikings have to, have to win this and they have to take the step forward and show that they can protect the ball. And if they do that, then I think they will win because I do think you look at everything else and they've shown that they're a pretty good team, but you got to protect the ball uh, and and they've just not been able to do that so far. Yeah, no, we, we said it earlier when you when you are minus three in the take give in each of the first two games, you're 90 percent plus loser. I mean, those are just the facts. So, yeah, you know, we, we may disagree on how Herbert, how good Herbert is. I, again, I think he's very talented, but um, you probably would put him higher in your quarterback pecking order than I would. But he's, he's still dangerous. He's dangerous. Um, and, and we'll see how healthy this Chargers team is, Austin Eckler in particular, coming into U.S. Bank Stadium. But it's a game that you have to win and uh, get the fans back, get the team back feeling good about themselves uh, heading into that Carolina game. And maybe this uh, early season panic subsides a little bit. I still think a little too much panic right now, uh, but they go to 0-3, then the panic is very, very justified. So we'll hope for a win. Uh, next Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers at U.S. Bank Stadium, and we'll be back to analyze it 
on the Marsh and Matt show. That'll do it for this week's edition. For Matt Galvin, I'm Marshall Kellner. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.